Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, brought to you by Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. My name is Pete Berthaud, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Robbie, it was another news-packed week. How are you feeling, man? Okay. It's Monday right now, so I would say all of us Virginia Tech fans or football fans are a little bit down in the dumps today, so I'm doing all right. How's that? Yeah. Yeah, man, I we got some news we're going to get into in a minute, but why don't you give us a cheers? Try to try to bring the spirits up a little bit. <laughs> I will. We had some college football this past weekend. It wasn't always pretty. Some teams showed that they have the stuff, and some teams were really dragging, dragging ass, and uh, that's the best way I can put it, but I still watched it. I watched the UNC game. I watched the Florida State game. I watched Miami. I watched a good. I didn't watch Kansas at the end of the night. I couldn't stay up that late. I don't know if you did. I, I watched until it was like twenty-one or twenty-eight, nothing. And then I turned it off. Yeah, I did. I watched ULL, our ULL, um, <laughs> the, the Raging Cajuns, our new our new one. team that we're gonna cheer for until Virginia Tech is on TV. So, in in all things, I'm I'm high spirits because we have some football back. We're starting to see rankings come in. Virginia Tech just got ranked uh, top 20 in the AP. I know that is has an asterisk by it, but listen, we're being positive and that's that's my positivity for our cheers here. Cheers. Yeah, I'll take the ranking. I, I don't care if it's it's less teams or whatever else. I'll take the number 20 ranking that we got. Um, let's hop into these news and notes, and then we'll get to some of the, the game action that we watched. Right after we were given the primetime slot for the UVA game, we got the news that the game's going to be postponed. And this this came as a big-time bummer for me, and I'm sure most of Hokie Nation out there, it's like, you got to be kidding me. we got to wait another week before we get to watch a team. And that's <laughs> another week is the best-case scenario, right? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm now crossing my fingers that we get to watch Virginia Tech play football this year. I, I really, yes. It did, not only did they get the primetime spot, it looked really promising that they were going to get game day, I think, it was well reported that Fuente even reached out to ESPN and said, how, how about you guys hold off making an announcement for us or something along those lines? Because, yeah, we have some issues going on that we're dealing with COVID related and didn't want to have them have to, you know, change course. And now they're going to Miami, which probably for the Miami, uh, what Louisville game is that yeah. they're heading down for could have been Virginia Tech, Virginia, Extremely disappointing. So we got some really positive news I was getting really excited for and then um, obviously negated by some negative news. And to your point, now we're all focused on whether the NC State game can happen. I feel pretty good about it. I know a lot of people don't. I, I personally, and this isn't factual or anything based on anything, with that amount of time, another week to play, I think we if the team feels ready and there's enough players back and we can actually put a field or, you know, feel the team, I feel like we're going to play. And I think we need to play at this point if we want to actually have, have a season, but that remains to be seen. I mean, we're running out of weeks to get in even the 10 games, let alone the 11 games. And, and me and you were talking earlier, like this Liberty game with the way things are trending, I th- feel like we're going to need that weekend just to get in the ACC games, but that will be figured out. Um, they were already rejiggering some of UVA's schedule 
Uh, they ha- they're having UVA play Duke the 26th uh, when we play NC State because that was an open date before. So um, they're already moving some things around to hopefully get all the games in. And uh, we're whenever we do start playing, we're going to be playing every single week as long as we've got enough players because you, you can't afford to give up a week unless you absolutely cannot play at this point. This is what it seems like. Andy Bitter wrote an article on just how it came to be and how on Friday morning our chief medical officer just said we couldn't safely proceed with the game. There's different numbers floating around about how many guys we were missing, whether it were starters, whether it was reserves. And it wasn't linked to a single event either. That's something that Fuente talked about today in his press conference. But it, I, I did find that game day note interesting that he reached out to them. He also reached out to Bronco to make sure Bronco knew from the source that like, hey, this is what we got going on. Uh, it's not looking good, and we're probably going to have to cancel the game. So we will open the season, hopefully, 926 against NC State, and that has been scheduled too, 8 p.m. on ACC Network. So... If you have Comcast, make sure to make other plans. (laughs) Yes, ACC Network is obviously the place to be. Luckily, Pete has ACC Network in the year that it matters least, I guess, for Virginia Tech to this point. So uh, it is, um, and I know this last Virginia Virginia game is supposed to be on ABC, so it wouldn't matter for that. But uh, it's, I, I have... I feel good about it actually happening at the moment. We will see what ends up happening. But the 26th is a date I have circled once again. I've circled a lot of dates and then some of it the same weekend for different opponents. (laughs) Right, right. Like I said on Twitter, uh, on Saturday when I'm watching all these other teams play, I'm mad that VT's not playing two different teams. (laughs) We're not playing NC State and we're not playing Penn State. We had two games scheduled on that day. The news we got, I think right after the podcast came out last week, was that Hennon Hooker was officially named the starter. Something we expected, but something Fuente said was interesting was about the two quarterbacks, him and Burmeister, both potentially playing. Did you think that was just a little bit of fluff, or did you think there's something to that? I don't know if it's a, a lot of... A lot of people... Well, I shouldn't say a lot of people. It's a bad way to characterize things. Some people thought that it might be some gaming, scheming, things along those lines. But this isn't much different than what we've seen out of Fuente in the past and what he's kind of done in terms of being very late in the game to announce who the starter is, keeping the competition going longer, leaving it open-ended on who's going to actually play. I am in the camp that wishes it was just one quarterback, you know, that makes me feel more comforted. It's like golf, right? You're playing in a scramble. You always want to make sure like your best player is a little bit fresh. Even if he doesn't need to hit the ball because somebody's two feet from the pin, you still have him hit a shot in because you want to keep your best player a little bit fresh and then in the game and warmed up and things like that. There's something to be said for tempo and confidence and those sorts of things. But if if he's done that much to prove himself to Fuente, then all the better. That just means that we have two really good quarterbacks, and we all know what QP is really a talented athlete, so that's great. Yeah, I think it's more gamesmanship than anything else. If it's the you know important part of the games, the game is still in, in question, I can't see him just throwing Burmeister in for extended snaps or anything like that. Do you remember when UNC used to do that with – uh, they had Marquise Williams, yep. and they would put in Trubisky for a series. Then they'd take him out, put in Williams, then put in Trubisky. It was the dumbest thing yeah. ever. 
it and was it so stupid it never worked no and we can't do that and i don't think we will i think fuente is just kind of he doesn't want braxton to lose focus and i yeah. think that was a way to help uh feed that beast a little bit like hey here's a nugget you know you've done a lot we want you to stay hungry and and we'll we'll see how things go but like it's it's hendon's show this is hendon hooker's team and unless he gets hurt or knocked out for a period of time or something. We're not going to see Braxton Burmeister, I wouldn't think, unless it's a gadget play or something like that. I don't necessarily see that as, you know, everybody gets a medal or trying to throw people necessarily off the scent as much as it is, dude, you did a really good job and you're in the running just like it is anybody. We're going with the play that we already know versus, you know, the play that we we don't know. Yeah. And there's a lot to be accommodated or commended i guess for for him going in and playing well enough to almost uh, you know take out you know a starter on a team that and a guy that won six out of seven of his last games you know he he played well like yeah i'm uh i'm excited to have two guys that i think we can count on if you're asking me just about how i feel about a backup quarterback it's the best i felt in a really long time because we knew foo liked burmeister a lot last year and we wanted that clearance. Maybe he would have been the starter on day one if he had gotten cleared last year. We we don't know, but I know he likes him, so I feel good about having both those guys, and I feel about good about having Quincy as well. Let's get to the bad news that came out today. Devin Hunter is suspended indefinitely. He was arrested on a felony charge on Sunday for an incident that happened the week prior. If you go to Andy Bitter's tweets, he he details it. Um, it's, it's not good. The, the, (laughs) the reports are not good. And, um, it seems as if Devin Hunter, since it's a felony charge, will be out until he either beats the charge or it's dismissed or something like that. But that's not going to happen for a while. So I think we're going to be without Devin Hunter for most of the season, if not all of the season or forever, (laughs) who knows? Yeah. I think, you know, factually what we, what we know today is that because it was a felony charge by school discipline rules in terms of your, your conduct within the Virginia tech program, he has to be suspended because it's a felony charge. Number one and two, based on the latest tweets from Andy bitter and others um, that, you know, he's, he's still incarcerated. He's in, he's in jail right now. And that, um, He's gone through, I believe, the arraignment proceedings, but this is going to take a while. And as long as those charges, I think, are in place, being that felony charge, until that is changed or not changed, whatever ends up happening there, he'll remain suspended. So whether whatever the outcome, whatever the opinion, whatever the facts doesn't really matter to the circumstance for him playing for Virginia Tech until I think that changes he cannot and will not play for Virginia Tech. So that's, I think, the factual aspect of where we sit right now. Yeah, it sucks to lose a starter. If you're just talking about on-the-field stuff, it stinks. Uh, We're down another guy in the secondary. We already lost Farley. Nazir Peoples, he's out for the season at whip safety. So it hurts. So now we got to rely on either J.R. Walker, Tyree Rogers, who's currently backing up Devon Diablo, or Keonta Jenkins, the freshman. So I I think it's going to probably be Walker because I believe he was the backup there. And they've really liked him since he's come yeah. to Tech. So I think it'll be Walker. 
and uh, perhaps Tyree because Tyree's a senior, but Jenkins will be in that mix. And so yeah. we're, we're starting to get a little thin back there, though. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely, I agree with you. I think it would probably be Walker. I, I would just add one more thing that it, in a time of off-season challenges, everything that's going on with COVID, everybody having stuff going on in their personal lives that we're not even, you know, we don't even know what's going on with a lot of these players. Having somebody that at least I feel in a lot of the tweets that came out from players and, you know, the comments from Fuente earlier this year, that somebody, everybody was really, really excited to see finally have his chance after, you know, a big, huge recruitment, a lot of waiting, waiting his time. This was his year. He was going to, you know, be playing a key role in the Virginia Tech backfield and then have it go this way. Um, it, it sucks. It sucks for everybody involved. And um, it's just, it's just really unfortunate. So um, it, it does you know, for Devin. It. I, I it's, it's really sucks. Cause we, we were excited to see what he was going to do this year. And he was our top recruit of the last seven seasons. He, he is. So, uh, it's, it's a, it's a blow and we're, you know, we're going to have to see if J.R. Walker can step up and be that I, guy. I think he, I think he, yeah, you got to rise to the occasion and we're going to have to, this is not going to be the first time that, um, and not, and because of the reason, but just, we're going to need to see people step up for, for during strange times with this COVID stuff going on. All right, let's bring the mood back up a little bit. Talk about some of that football. Cause it was really fun to be watching college football again. I put a second TV down in my basement. And the great thing about having YouTube TV is you can just stream to multiple TVs. There's no plugging. All you need is the power plug and you're good to go. So that was awesome. I I watched on Saturday. I watched a lot of football. Uh, I did watch the Miami game on the, on Thursday night, they beat UAB 31 to 14. And then on Saturday at noon, we had the UNC Syracuse game. UNC did end up covering, which was kind of annoying to both of us because we had both picked Syracuse, and Syracuse should have covered that game. Yeah. And, yeah, that that one was brutal. Not the only game that was brutal, but there (laughs) there was also the Clemson game. There was a lot of brutal, brutal beats uh, uh, during the slate. Yeah, I'll run down the rest of the scores, and then we'll react to them a little bit. Notre Dame beat Duke. 27-13, 27-13, Georgia Tech beat FSU in an upset, 16-13. Pitt crushed Austin P 55-0. And you alluded to this, Clemson stomped Wake. Uh, it was only 37-13, so Wake did cover, but uh, it was over at halftime, really. So uh, Louisville won the in-state game against WKU, 35-21. And finally, just in general, outside the ACC, the Big 12, man, oh, man, did they take it on the chin. Or did the Sun Belt just become just amazing? And I know that got a lot of hype, but we were we were high on at least a, a couple of those teams. So uh, it paid off in in the long run for us talking about them, but not so much for the Big Twelve. That's for sure. Yeah, man. You had Iowa State go down. You had K State go down to Arkansas State. Kansas. We we said it right at the top. Uh, they were down three, four touchdowns. They ended up coming back a little bit, but man, to lose to coastal for the second year in a row as a, they were a touchdown favorite in that game. I, I in my, my pick of my do with some buddies, like I, I took coastal all day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was just surprised that I think it was Brett McMurphy put out what the parlay would be on those three games to, to go, 
you know, just money line bets, it wasn't as high as I thought. Yeah. I thought it would pay out a lot more. I think it was like a hundred bucks to win like 6,000 or something along those lines. I thought it so would be 60, 60 to one. Yeah. I thought, I think that's what it, I'm almost positive. It was a hundred to win about, you know, 6,600. So 66 to one. That sounds about right. I guess. I mean, dude, those are, that's three upsets <laughs> on the, that's money line. Those weren't. Yeah. Big, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty high. So in the AP poll, there are seven ACC teams ranked because this week they dropped out the Big Ten and the Pac-12 teams. So Clemson was number one, Notre Dame at seven, UNC at 12, Miami 17, Louisville 18, VT at 20, and Pitt at number 25. Uh, I don't think in the last, in recent history, there's no way we've ever had seven teams ranked. Maybe five, but this 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 is pretty crazy to see seven ACC teams in there. Seven seven is a lot, and uh, <laughs> what I'm most interested to see, which is going to be hilarious, is one now we're seeing what happens when they pull the pack teams out, which is really Oregon mostly, USC. Um, the USC yeah. That's pretty much it. But the Big Ten got pulled out. Now the Big Ten is about to vote most people believe that they're going to be starting on October 18th, that they're going to start. (laughs) What's going to happen when they throw, there's going to be like undefeated teams at like 24 that just get thrown out of the rankings because all of a sudden the big 10 is back in. And then you have Penn state shoot up there. You have Michigan shoot up there. You have Penn or you have um, Ohio state shoot up there. It's going to be insane. Do you know how teams like to brag about being in the AP poll? You know, 50 weeks in a row we've been in the AP poll, whatever it is. All the Big Ten teams got screwed. I mean, Ohio State's probably been in like 60 polls in a row. At least. I mean, since since they were got Urban Meyer hired, something like that. Yeah. And uh, that got thrown out the window this week. Their, I, their last I, bad loss was uh, against a Virginia Tech team. And then a game <laughs> a game that I was at, which they ended up winning, they almost lost, which was the Purdue game that they almost lost. And I went there with my wife. I was in the horseshoe for that game. They almost got kicked out at that point. But yeah, they yeah, they, they got to be really upset. That, that record's out the window. Yeah, they, they, but they'll put on, there'll be some kind of asterisk. They're still going to claim however many polls in a row. Like, I guarantee you they will. If there's anything that's true in college football, you always brag about any small victory you can. (laughs) That's right. That's why when we go zero and zero that we're going to claim a national championship. No losses. Undefeated. I like it. So the Massey composite, uh, it's something we're going to talk about a little bit later when we, we get into our interview. That's where they compile all the rankings. We are 19th in the Massey composite. Uh, I think we were 17th last week. So moved a couple spots down, I guess, because uh, some teams perform pretty well. But uh, anything in the top 20, I think, is right for now. We have to prove some stuff on the field, obviously. You can't just keep us up there forever. At some point, you got to let other teams that have proved their worth or winning games to to push people up. And uh, so I'm I'm cool with that. I did like how UVA isn't ranked. Yes. <laughs> Even with you know the less teams, UVA is still not ranked. Let's take a second to uh, talk about our sponsor, Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. They're fantastic beer and wine stores. One is in the heart of Northern Virginia, right on Broad Street in Falls Church. That's Dominion. 
And then in Gaithersburg, you have downtown Crown Wine and Beer. And if you're in there on any given day, you should spot our buddy Arash. He, he's, he's always there, you know, making it better, uh, making sure everyone has a quality experience. And his brother is down at the uh, Falls Church location. They both do a fantastic job uh, keeping those stores up to date with the best beers, the best technology. I mean, if you ever walk in those places, they have those huge screens with all of the kegs and their levels. It's amazing. Yeah, you know exactly how much beer is left. And you can even go in and play kick the keg if you want to with like an 8% beer. Grab like 10 buddies and try and go in there. You'll be walking out and in some form of a or crawling out in some form of a coma. It'll it'll be like Wolf of Wall Street uh, trying to get in your car. The ludes. Yeah, exactly. So, but they do a great job, cares a lot about the beer that he puts on, knows about the beer. Dude is yeah, super Yeah, and the thing is he has to battle the county so much on getting the good stuff. Yep. And so I give him a lot of credit. They both got outdoor seating. Uh, they're still doing curbside pickup. If, if you know, if you're uh, more concerned about the virus, don't worry. They got you covered. So uh, go to the websites. They're just Google downtown Crown Wine and Beer, Dominion Wine and Beer. It'll come right up. Put in your online orders. Follow them on Instagram. And uh, yeah, man, we'll have him on the podcast soon to talk about some stuff because he really does know stuff about beer. So, Robbie, what are you drinking? So I lied. I did another uh, non-alcoholic beer. I said I was going to have the best beer, non-alcoholic beer, on the last podcast, which I thought I had. Three Notch puts out a non-alcoholic beer and it's just non-alcoholic IPA. That's the name. They went with something really, you know, flashy. It's awesome. Like, it's literally, I'm sitting here drinking two beers at once because we kind of timed this a little bit. I, I have a Big Bad Baptist Imperial Stout. I love that beer. And I have a three-notched IPA non-alcoholic beer. And I actually like this beer better than the uh, Baptist, which is an amazing wow. award-winning beer. And I love it to death. And it it tastes, you asked me before we started, you know, the podcast, and I, like, does it taste like it's non-alcoholic? It really, it doesn't. Like, it's got grapefruit, citrus notes. It, like, it you tastes, wouldn't know if if someone handed you that, you wouldn't know that wasn't alcohol. There's not a, there's not a chance. I've drinking, drank more IPAs on this podcast. I think I'm probably up around, like, <laughs> 150 to like 160 IPAs on just this podcast alone. And I think if somebody just handed this to me and like blindfolded me and I took a sip of it, I'd just be like, yeah, that that's like a pretty good session IPA. It's got actually a little bit of flavor to it. It's not that, you know, too alcoholic. It, it tastes really good. So for anybody that needs to not drink for whatever reason, uh, I would highly suggest this, even though it's from Charlottesville, they put out a good non-alcoholic IPA. Three Notched is is a good brewery. They they really do make high quality beer. I am drinking the Wrench from Industrial Arts Brewing Company. This is from Garnerville, New York. I actually had a buddy brought this down. He brought me some other half, and he brought me this, which was the Industrial Arts, uh, the Wrench, and he did recommend it. He's like, this is one of their better beers, and man, it's it's a northeast. IPA is what they call it. Northeast India Pale Ale, 7.1% alcohol, lush and tropical zest. And there is a little bit of that, I guess, tropical flavor, but it's just a solid as hell New England IPA. So smooth, not bitter whatsoever. I mean, yeah, it it's so easy drinking. I love this thing, man. Yeah, the Wrench by Industrial Arts. If you're up in New York, uh, 
I would try to find this one because it's it's excellent. All right, so let's rehash those games a bit and give our ACC thoughts. Just we gave our predictions last week. Some of mine not looking so good at the moment. <laughs> uh, what did you think you underestimated, and maybe what did you overestimate when you were thinking about these teams uh, last weekend watching the games? Was there anything that stood out to you that you didn't give enough credit to? I'm not well. I'm going to take your words in a little different way. Okay. So I, I joked about FSU and their offensive line and their offense in general, and I said how two years in a row I said it couldn't get any worse. It's not any better. <laughs> it's so, not any better. <laughs> I. I'll give, I don't give credit to myself very often, but I said that I don't really think it's going to get turned around right away and it's going to take some time. I didn't know it was going to look that bad. I still yeah. picked FSU. If you go back to our picks, I still thought that they would, you know, end up using, you know, their athleticism, a lot of the talent that you've talked about on Twitter and things like that. To They didn't. And Georgia Tech took it to them and, you know, hats off to them. They played... They played a tough game. I mean, that was they low did. scoring. Nobody, if you were expecting Georgia Tech to come out there and make it look flashy, the fact that they just won that game is incredible with everything they've had turn around. So to go on the road like that, yeah, I I, I know there's no, wasn't a ton of fans there, but there were some fans, and that Georgia Tech team impressed the hell out of me. I did, I didn't necessarily think FSU was going to be gangbusters, but I expected them to win the game. I, I, I picked them to cover, you know, yep. which it wasn't even a two touchdown spread. And Georgia tech was not good last year, but that freshman quarterback who FSU stopped recruiting, yes. <laughs> just took it to the Seminoles this weekend. And that, that Sims kid is going to be real good. That actually kind of like put a shiver down my spine watching him play because he's real young and he's already better than Justin Blackman on the other side. I know. Justin Blackman is third year, and Sims comes out. And, yeah, that's a little bit scary to me uh, is, is what they put out on the field there. But I mean, And their defense was good. Yes, they did. They, I mean, they held him. And when Blackman tried to use his legs, they shut it down. It was it was impressive. I got to hand it, hand it to Georgia Tech. It was a good game for them and a good win. So as much credit as I wanted to give Norvell for coming in and, and maybe turning things around more quickly than you thought, I, I'm, <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs> like that is, there is more work to be done. And, uh, you know, I really should have known, but whatever. Um, it's always fun to watch the Knowles go down. So I, I don't love Georgia Tech either, but that was kind of fun to watch. Yeah, I would agree. Um, beyond that, I think... I don't, I don't want to speak to the negative. I think, so I'll go positive. How's that? Uh, how about the Louisville quarter quarterback? Um, I was excited to see him. I thought his stats looked good from last year. I didn't see him a ton. I didn't watch this game, and I think you got to watch a little bit of it. He looked four touchdowns, 343 yards. Yeah, he looked good. He looked real good. And uh, he can move too, so it's not just the arm. Um, I cannot wait for this Miami-Louisville game this week. I think that's going to be a really good game, one of the best games in the ACC this year. And Mikael Cunningham, Malik Cunningham, whatever you want to call him, that kid can freaking play, man. And I, I, <laughs> I'm hoping they take it to uh, they take it to Miami. That would be kind of fun to see them go down too. Uh, in terms of what I underestimated, I underestimated Chase Bryce and Duke. <laughs> I said to you that. I feel like Cutcliffe's lost a step. I feel like they're going to be one of the worst teams in the conference. 
they still might not be an awesome team, but Chase Bryce looked good. I thought he looked like a very serviceable quarterback against a tough Notre Dame defense. And he gave that team a chance. He really did. I know Notre Dame ended up you know, winning by two TDs eventually, but Duke was in that game. They were playing them really tough. One, your Cutcliffe take wasn't wasn't great, oh, but then yeah, your, your, your Notre Dame take might not have been that great. Yeah, the Notre Dame take uh, took took on water. That's for, for sure. For how many picks I got right and wrong, I feel like I had a lot of good takes last week in terms of what I said and not so much for my picks because I talked about the two running backs for Notre Dame and how good they are. And that's what Notre Dame did. They just ran the damn ball there. They Ian did. Book did not look good. He went 19 no. for 31. He had one TD, one interception, but those running backs are monsters. So that's that's nice for Notre Dame. I mean, that's all they have to do during the beginning slate while they get their feet underneath them. This was a sloppy weekend of football for a lot of teams, not named Clemson and not named Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Everybody else didn't look great. Pitt beat up on an Austin pay team that, you know, isn't great at all. And they had a call mercy rules on it and and do the third and fourth quarter 10 minutes each but to get through the first few weeks getting your feet underneath you for Notre Dame with those two running backs I feel like they have time for Ian Book to get I don't know if Ian Book's going to change that much but at least get more production there so it was it was fine but I was extremely impressed with with Duke and what they did yeah, I have Notre Dame and, and Ian Book on my overestimated list for sure. Uh, maybe picking them to finish the regular season in first was incorrect. Uh, the way Clemson looked, the way they looked, but I, I'll use this as a caveat. Wake Forest might be really bad, and Duke might be pretty good. Like We, we don't really know yet, so um, I'm not going to throw my Notre Dame pick into the fire. I probably should, but I'm not going to throw it into the fire right now. Ian Book did not have a good game. But I think they were missing a couple of receivers. They had another receiver go out during the game. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll wait and see. Rust, whatever. But yeah, Notre Dame, not looking as high quality as Clemson right off the bat here. I thought Miami looked about what I expected them to look like. They won the game. They could have, it could have been a closer game. UAB and Syracuse, but both against Miami and UNC, like they shot themselves in the foot multiple times in both those games. Syracuse should have been up by two scores at, at some point in that UNC game. And they let him, you know, hang around, hang around. And then Sam Howell came out in the fourth quarter and started tearing him a new one. It started so slow. Nothing was happening. I think it was still 7-3, if I had it right, for like a long time. For a almost. long time, yeah. And Sam Howell, two for 34, 295 yards, a TD and two interceptions. If this is the second coming that uh, most people have made him out to be, it was not a great start for for him. Miami also started really slow against UAB, mostly because UAB's defense. And then they just, they got gassed. You could see it by the end. They just got tired. They were on the field a lot. Yeah, King King played played well. I mean, he used his feet. I will say I watched a good amount of that game. He used his feet. He he helped him out in, in places that could have been problematic. So um, his throws were on and off, but enough to give me a little bit of um, recognition that he's going to be good this year. He's I don't know whether he's going to be great or a world beater, but he will be good this year. 
He had 12 carries on the ground for 83 yards and another rushing touchdown. I guess it was 16 games in a row. He's had a passing and a rushing touchdown. I think, you know, I think he's the real deal. Is he going to be a world He's, he's a good quarterback. Yeah, yes. absolutely. So um, I, I thought he was not amazing, particularly with his arm. But when you just look at his decision making and effectiveness, he, he's playing at a very high level. His QBR was in the 80s. Uh, Sam Howell, like he had a really mediocre day to bad day from a statistical standpoint. Um, Book and Howell were about the same. Not good days for those two guys. Uh, but Louisville, Miami, Trevor Lawrence, obviously at Clemson, like their quarterbacks had nice days. So we'll see how how it goes. And and if Hooker, when he comes in, w- which side of the ACC does he come in on? I'm hoping he can have those 70 and 80 QBR days. Uh, and I will say just to finish off, because we're about to go in from there into like what's going to happen in terms of what the ACC showed, there's some legit like middle tier. And I think that's what people have been kind of talking about because there's only three conferences, you know, playing yeah. power five in terms of that middle tier, rightfully so. I don't think the big 12 is nearly on par with what the ACC is showing right now. I think if the ACC Hell, you could have put Georgia Tech up against some some of the teams that played last week, and I think it would be a fair match. So, yeah, I I agree with you. Like I said, when we look at that top twenty five, you have all those teams in there. That doesn't include a UVA team, which could be pretty good. We don't we don't know, and so I, I agree. There's the mid tier of the ACC is far better than it's been the last two years. We're going to have our interview with Dave Congrove of the collegefootballpoll.com in a minute here. And he's, we talked about him last week, how his ranking in the Massey composite was the highest of any of the rankings that they compile. He had us at number seven in the preseason. And after one week of play, he has us at number eight. So it's still the highest. And so we're going to bend Dave's ear and he agreed to come on the podcast. And we're grateful to, uh, to see what he has to say about, why he has us so high, what goes into his rankings and all that. And he was kind enough to do a, uh, you know, 20, 30 minute interview with us. And we're going to play that for you now. We are now welcoming in Dave Congrove to the podcast. Dave's website is collegefootballpoll.com. He's a voting member for the College Football Hall of Fame, the Bolitnikoff Award, the Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year Award, the Ray Guy Award, which is something as hooky fans will be interested in this year, the Bednarik Award and the Maxwell Award, among others. And his website, College Football Poll, or CFP, is a proud partner of USA Today Sports Digital Properties. So Dave's got some credentials. We want to thank you for coming on today, man. Hey, I appreciate you having me. Good to be with you. Just to start off with some background, your website's been online for over 20 years. Let's begin with how you got into ranking college football teams. Was it a hobby at first? Uh, Were you a big stats guy growing up? What pushed you in that direction? Exactly. It was, it was, it was a hobby, a mixture of things. It was a hobby at first. Um, it was largely a matter of getting sick of seeing in the poll era as, uh, I don't know what your age is or how far back you go, but you would see the same teams, Ohio state, USC, Notre Dame, whatever. You could basically count on them being ranked in the top 10 every single year. Didn't matter how much they sucked the year before or how great they were. Those were going to be the teams. And for anybody new to break through was virtually impossible. So, And there were a couple of computer rankers that existed. This is going back in 1992 when I started working on this. 
but it was okay. largely just Sagrin, Jeff Sagrin on in USA Today, uh, who I followed reverently. And uh, and there was the Dunkel Index, which was a little under the radar, but had been around for many, many decades prior to even Sagrin coming about. And even looking at those computer rankings, it didn't seem like they were doing a whole lot different than the polls were. So, And I thought maybe there were actually some inherent biases in them, because I don't see how you could take a computer formula and come up with the same way that a bunch of biased humans could come up with almost to the T. So I started working on trying to figure out what are the basics, the very basic things I could do that wouldn't create a situation where I would have to say, well, I think this conference needs to be deducted five points, and these teams need to be here, and those teams need to be there. No, I wanted everybody to start from zero, get to a number, play against each other, and create a reasonable result that would track without any bias whatsoever. And so that's what I went to work on. Uh, 92 kind of served as a background model year. 93, I repeated it, made a couple of changes, uh, and then on down the road to get to the point where they say, and and then things took their own turn, um, was uh, 1999 when we decided to put this stuff uh, on the internet, and it uh, kind of went viral. Yeah, I, and I guess um, back when the BCS was coming to be, that's when people really became familiar with computer rankings more so. And you had your Kenneth Massey's and your Kali Matrix and Sagarin, as you mentioned. Um, are those people that you kind of, I guess, looked up to as you were preparing your own rankings? And did you take anything from them? No, no, I didn't take anything from anybody. I don't think anybody takes anything from me. I don't think any of us knows what each other does gotcha. <laughs> specifically as, as far as what you put into a system. Uh, was aware of them, knew, knew what they did, and it was kind of funny that you mentioned the BCS, actually, because really what, uh, what led me to putting the college football poll and the Congress of Computer Rankings on the Internet was uh, having a conversation um, with the first commissioner of uh, the BCS, Roy Kramer, uh, email conversation when they were first talking about creating the BCS. And so I sent him some basic information about mine because he had become familiar with it through something. I have no idea because it wasn't even on the Internet at the time. And um, he said, uh, came back with a thing of, well, we'd like you to change a couple of things. And at that point, I just basically dropped it and said, no. <laughs> so you're, what it. you're saying is that the... uh, there was a chance you could have been included in the BCS if you had adhered to their rules? Perhaps? Yeah, there, 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 was an, there was an interest whether I had pursued it and it would have actually happened or if those couple mm -hmm. of phone conversations and email exchanges would have gone any further. I don't know. It wasn't like they said, hey, be a part of it, and I declined or you know anything that was an, right. an overt nature of it. But there were certainly the beginnings of having some kind of conversation. But as soon as they came back with, change it, it was like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to change it. So I, I put collegefootballpoll.com and the rankings on the Internet, and they beat the ever-loving garbage out of anything that was associated with the BCS, both in terms of website traffic. And I don't know if you're familiar with the prediction tracker or not. Uh, I have, yes, I'm, I'm familiar. Follows, I've, I've been on there. So the prediction tracker has ranked like 60, 70 ranking formulas as they grew over time. In the beginning, it was probably 15, 20, 30, whatever. And um, so we would we would compare how it did against Massey and Anderson and all the other people, Billingsley and whatnot, that were involved in the uh, in the BCS, and always outperformed all of those rankings. When I say outperformed in terms of the prediction tracker, picking games, picking winners, uh, doing better against the spread, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. 
Uh, now, nobody in the BCS, I mean, okay, I can't say it did better than Sager, and he's in USA Today as far as website <laughs> traffic goes, you know. But, I mean, in terms of anybody else, uh, they didn't really promote it. They didn't really – my background is more in promotion. I was a DJ for a long time. <laughs> um, so it's a, it's a different approach for me of wanting to market something and not just have it out there as a math geek, hey, come take a look at this. Uh, you know, I wanted to – put it out in front of people, let them have a chance at it, compare it, track it, see how it did against uh, other ranking systems and that kind of thing. Well, according to your site, your computer program is designed to predict who's supposed to beat who and by how much. And we're curious what factors play the biggest role in those rankings, particularly in the preseason. Uh, obviously, as you get more data, you can you can change things. But in the preseason, how heavily weighted is recruiting, prior performance, returning starters, production, et cetera? Like, how, how do you start off those rankings? Most of those things you just mentioned have no bearing whatsoever. Okay. Um, so we we take last year's final power rating, compare it to such things as year-over-year schedule difference, uh, returning talent, and the way you do that basically is uh, returning and lost letterman. Um, head coach, was there a change? It's a deduction we found over time. On average, there's about a two-and-a-half point uh, through-the-season decline of power rating if you've got a new head coach. And uh, that's basically it. it okay. it's, it's that naked. Do you, you don't factor the season in now. You don't factor in summer transfers or the most recent recruiting class or anything like that. Well, understand now we we don't put out a preseason ranking until August. We don't we don't scramble to put something out at the end of May gotcha. and be in there with Aslan and and uh, oh, uh, Lindy's and, and Phil Steele and all these other people that are putting something out way before. You know, basically living off of a spring prospectus to determine who's coming back. Uh, we wait until August, and this year, of course, it really panned out because now you're waiting to find out uh, not only when a season is going to get played, but some of the people that decided to opt out. You take them out of the equation as much as you can. Um, one concern there was you hope that 12 people opt out, eight don't decide to opt back in. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's only one that I'm aware of that actually happened that way, and that was the lone player from Vanderbilt. Uh, don't ask me his name, but there was one that opted out like August 1st and opted back in on August 9th. You know? But um, no, so, so we wait. And at that point in time, we know if kids during the spring got suffered a major injury, what they thought was maybe you know, 14 returning starters on the team, for whatever reason, wound up being 11. You know? So... Yeah, well, as and, far as those I, numbers go, you can wait to that point. And I was going to ask you how many times you update during the off season, and and you answered that question. But for instance, with Virginia Tech, we picked up an FCS transfer in Justice Reed, who is a very high level player. Do you count that as a returning letterman for us? No, no, no okay, no, no, and 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 you know, of course. When you when you get somebody like a Brewer coming into the program, uh, that didn't change anything either. So we didn't know what effect Michael Brewer was going to have on the program when that happened, or Josh Jackson even for that matter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, no, that's not a returning starter. wasn't on the radar. It was, uh, but but there's an explanation to that, and I could even use Virginia Tech as a perfect example that kind of bore this out. Not that I foresaw it coming, but it was kind of a look in the rearview mirror thing this makes sense that we don't really care about this type of stuff, or even that a player with big stats gets hurt and somebody else has to step up the old next man up mentality. So Virginia Tech injuries created a situation, if you'll recall, uh, created that next man up situation back in, 
I think it was like 2009, 2010, 2011. You had Darren Evans running back, got yep. injured. Big numbers, great runner. Ryan Williams takes his place, beats the crap out of his numbers. Ryan Williams gets injured. David Wilson becomes number one and rushes for, what, 1,780 broke, yards? Broke the school record, like yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you, you, you know, you're not, you can't say you're always going to get that, but you can't say that the next man up is not going to be the better man up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we, we don't really even take a look at uh, how much percentage of rushing yards they lost from one year to the next or passing yards they lost from one year to the next. I'm not saying it's – the thing about it is if you put too many factors in it, you pollute it to the, to the point where you're trying to cram so much in that when you come out the back end, you've got negligible difference affecting what you come up with because the biggest thing that happens during the year – it's okay, so you've developed, based on all that information, what the power rating system is going into the season. Now they actually have to play each other. So Team A is supposed to beat Team B by X amount of points, but the difference is actually blank. Yeah. Maybe they don't even beat the team. Maybe they lose the team, whatever. And everything changes on a season averaging situation based on what the actual outcome of the games are. In the beginning, there's fewer games to count, so those changes take place a little more rapidly, which can make up for any huge variations where you were perhaps wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> coming into your initial outlook and then kind of lays a little more flat as it goes to the rest of the season. Well, what you were saying a second ago is a good segue because you have LSU at number three in your, in your preseason rankings, and they're still number three after week one, um, and they've lost a ton of production as well as coordinators on both sides of the ball. So you mentioned the thing about the coaches, but for someone like LSU and I guess in all of your, all the teams in your algorithm, you're kind of going more on a historical program development basis, I guess. Yeah, it it is a little trailing in that regard. There's certainly a lean that's based on the history, but what's really wrong with that? Because you're talking about fact over assumption. Yeah. If you know where I'm getting at with that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, LSU got hurt. They got whacked. I mean, they lost 14 players in the NFL draft. Five of them went in the first round, and four players have opted out, including Jamar. So, uh, Jamar Chase, a wide receiver. So, yeah, they're in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. and, and, of course, they lost uh, both coordinators, right? Dave Aranda, the defensive coordinator. Yeah. He's off of the head coach yeah. job at Baylor. and um, Joe Brady. Yes, they lost a ton, and that's why when I saw them at number three, I was like, oh, man, yeah. how, I wonder what he's seeing that, that I'm not seeing. And what you're seeing yeah. is the history of LSU killing it on the recruiting trail, and that next man up is going to be pretty good. It might not be Joe Burrow, but it's going to be pretty good. Yeah, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any chance in hell it's going to be Joe Burrow again, because mm-hmm. uh, that's just lightning in a bottle. You don't, you don't see that happen twice. Um, there's bound to be a step down in performance from the quarterback. Uh, I, I say that, but then you've got to point to Oklahoma and go, okay, <laughs> you know, they, they bring in transfers, get back-to-back Heisman trophies, to, and then they get another guy that comes in last year and finishes second in the Heisman trophy race. And, of course, the guy they got right now that started his first game the other night, you know, just lit it up uh, like mad. Of course, they were playing Missouri State. Eight, yes, he started off going eight out of eight, but he's going to uh, be pretty good. Two quarters, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's going to be pretty good. Yeah, Spencer Rattler is going to be. He's going to be. He's going to be. Why, why is his name slipping my mind? Who's the quarterback? Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler. Yes, yes. What a name! <laughs> what a name. He's got. A, he's got a name for a Heisman candidate right there. So, 
Yeah, what, wasn't one of his touchdown passes to a guy named Rambo? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think it was. It was. Yes, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah, okay, so we're writing a Hollywood script uh, a couple of years in advance here. And so this will be the final clarification with regard to uh, to your preseason rankings. Uh, do you get you don't give any extra weight to a returning QB, particularly a multi year starter? Uh, they're they're not. That's not factored in. It's kind of all rolled into your. No, it, it's a it's a team game. You know, if it if it were basketball rankings, where two individuals can completely turn a team around, I if I were to try to do a a, a basketball ranking, I would have to look at that kind of stuff. Obviously, mm-hmm. far more in depth uh, than I think it applies to football. Uh, it's still a team game. The defensive side of the ball matters as much as the offensive side of the ball. Um, the historical results do matter. Uh, what a team's able to do in consistency uh, matters. That's why it turns out that if somebody gets a head coach, no matter how great that head coach may be, the average is that the team does see a decline in what its one loss record's going to be. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I don't. I won't say I haven't done some models with various things, and it pretty much pans out what I said. You get down with so much noise that when it gets to the end, it's a negligible difference and doesn't really make a big factor o- over what you get for rankings or picks or anything else. It changes the numbers, but then because the on-field results come back to creating the same type of fix, you wind up eventually getting back to almost the same exact result. Interesting. Yeah, and, and I guess when we talked about losing those coordinators for LSU, they still have the same headman. So those coordinators, that's not really affecting your ranking. No, it, it, it's not directly. There's no category in there that mm-hmm. says this coordinator has been there for eight years and his defense averages 90 yards rushing a game and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, and, I mean, Virginia Tech's losing Bud Foster, obviously. He's done. Uh, um We've got the first season with uh, Justin Hamilton coming in. Um, Tech had a terrible defense last year. Who knows what Justin Hamilton's going to do in his first year? I would have liked. Well, it was to better have seen than twenty eighteen. Would have done if he actually had a full. <laughs> yeah, I would have loved to have seen what Justin Hamilton would have done in his first year if he actually had a spring practice and got the usual type of situation to get to know the kids and go through everything and. This is going to be an odd year. I mean, you take a look at any of these places that change coordinators and changed head coaches. Everything is foreign in how they had to adjust and got to deal with all the incoming players and the freshmen and, and everything. It's just insane. And the schedules are changing every day. Look at the Virginia Tech-Virginia game. We're supposed <laughs> yeah. to open against NC State. Then they're supposed to open against Virginia. And now we're back to NC State. So, you know. We sure are. By the oh. way, I, I, I should let this go ahead and say I said we. <laughs> I grew up 20 miles from Blacksburg. No way. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I've been a Virginia Tech fan since I was six years old. We didn't know that you were a VT fan at, at all reaching out to you. So that is a, uh, a welcome surprise. So uh, we'll yeah, just put that out there. It's coincidence. from Florida State about three years ago. So <laughs> oh, I'm sorry for that. Well, yeah, it all pays. Him, yeah. yeah. Well, this past weekend paid him justice for making that decision. So uh, it didn't go, didn't go great. But a couple more questions for you. I thought um, and one of them ties back to your original you know, your comments around the BCS and that time frame is, have you ever tweaked and kind of 
or over time, you know, uh, amended your formulas and what you've put in there? Or at this point, do you feel like it's pretty well honed and you've kind of kept it stagnant for a period of time and it seems to, you know, bring out the same results? Uh, I wonder what your thoughts are kind of year in, year out as you as you look at what it delivers and, and how you, what you put into it. Sure, yeah, because uh, even though over time it has pretty much maintained a 75% average in picking winners, uh, 54% against the spread, you would always like to see if you can get that to 81 <laughs> or if you can yeah. get that uh, against the spread number to 58 or 60 uh, because even if you're not building it for a betting purpose, there's a lot of people who like to bet that want to come and check out what an unbiased spread looks like against Vegas and whatnot. Um, so there's been... Uh, I don't remember what year it was. It was one, I think it was right when the BCS was coming to an end um, and the CFP was going to start that I spent a good amount of that summer toying with different things. It was also giving some thought about doing an NFL ranking system. And uh, when, it, when it all got said and done, I came right back to where it was. So there really has been... I think only one major change done, and that was before it ever hit the internet, uh, between 93 and, and 98, where I made a major difference into how it did um, win-loss true margins and applied it to any ranking adjustments. Uh, but ever since it's been public, it's been the same thing. Okay. And then on the, we talked a little bit about Massey Composite and how it you know accumulates a, a bunch of rankings. And, you know, for Virginia Tech, it's, it's relatively uh, high up there, at least in comparison to some others. Um, and you've talked about some of the factors that went in. We obviously know that Fuente is back again. So from a coaching consistency standpoint, that would be you know high up. Uh, returning Letterman, that'd probably be high up. How do you think um, about your rankings in terms of being... Well, sin- Virginia Tech's ranked higher than it is in the rest of them because mine are more accurate. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you just made two happy, uh, two happy hosts here, so we're we're we're, we're loving it. <laughs> I, I hate to say, a few years ago, it picked Virginia Tech to win the national title. I think it was the year. I think we had Logan Thomas for the second year at quarterback, and Scott Leffler coming in, and and uh, twenty twelve hell in a handbasket. So yeah, yeah, uh, no, yeah so yeah, that was a big fail. Um, now it it just happens. I mean, every team is weighed on the same metrics when all the info is in. The schedule essentially is played out, and the final records are predicted. So it's like balancing a checkbook. Everything's kind of reconciled on the map. All the wins and losses. There's as many wins as there are losses, and there's as many conference wins as there are conference losses. And so that has to get applied. And so if a team is supposed to win. Like uh, Virginia Tech has a couple of games this year with the computer in the preseason with the formula is seeing losing to Clemson uh, by like three and a half points um, and wins at UNC and Louisville or by less than three. So these are like almost in the margin of error type of thing. Um, but it's still nonetheless a win is a win and a loss is a loss and it comes to being 10 and 1. Yeah, and it actually has... Clemson and Tech being undefeated when they come and play each other, oh, wow. just as it has Clemson and Notre Dame being undefeated when they play each other. So there's your big trio uh, at the top. Personally, I unfortunately think what's going to happen is that Notre Dame and Clemson are going to battle for one and two, and Virginia Tech and North Carolina are going to battle for three and four. Got it. Yeah, I think that uh, that answers another question that we had because you just alluded to it. it sounds like, you know, the the fringes are 
basically the games that you just talked about, Virginia Tech being anywhere from you know a nine win team to a six win team just based on on those games alone. But um, if you had to predict where you think UNC and what your stats say, UNC and Virginia Tech being three and four would pan out to be for the year. What do you think that number looks like on the ten game slate, ignoring the out of conference one game? On a ten-game slate, what does that what's that number look like? Do you think? Obviously, the game at UNC is a possible loss, and the game at Louisville is a possible loss. So, I, I don't I don't see anything more than three losses. Okay. Um, I, I, I I'm kind of disappointed that we didn't get to play Virginia in the opener because I think that would have been a forty-point blowout. But oh, wow. uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> and then legitimately because I mean everything Virginia had was basically at the quarterback position, and he's gone. So you know. well, you have Virginia up high in these rankings too. I think they're number 14. Oh, I, didn't, I never said I personally agree with everything. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't agree with LSU uh, being in there. No, my, my, my final four doesn't have LSU in the system at all. Okay. I, I, I agree with Clemson. I agree with Bama and I agree with Oklahoma and I've got Notre Dame personally uh, in my final four. The only major difference there is LSU. I, I wouldn't be surprised if LSU loses four games. They've, they've got four extremely tough games uh, that they're going to face again with a lot of personnel that <laughs> got drafted in the NFL and uh, again five in the first round so it's going to be hard for LSU to have any chance at repeating those kind of numbers whatsoever uh, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if LSU winds up third in the SEC West does it bother you when your head doesn't line up with your rankings like, and when when the opinions are it so varied me, like it, that? It gets me cross-eyed and it <laughs> makes me sometimes go back and recheck the math, which is not a bad thing, and they go, well, that's what it says. I'm not going to fix it just because I disagree with it. I'm not going to try to see how I can massage it. I'll live with it, you know, whether it's right or it's wrong. Um, but, it, but it's kind of interesting. There is every year um, a couple of teams – but it isn't, this, this doesn't just fall to the computer. It falls to us humans as well, too, where we think this team's only going to win three games this year because they sucked that way last year, and the next thing you know, they win nine. Um, Louisville was that team a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there are times when it picks a team because they did so well the year before, and it's trending in that direction that you think they're going to win the Big Ten title. Northwestern's done this to me. Michigan State's done this to me. You pick them. Michigan did it to me last year. You pick them way up there, and they wind up being average or totally blowing. Um, so there's always somewhere between six and eight teams that it misses its one-loss pick on. This six or eight teams out of 130, so that's not bad. Where it misses one-loss pick on by four wins, losses, or more. Okay. Um, but But the... The greater numbers, it's usually within two on. And this year, you do feel good about Notre Dame in the ACC as a conference member. You think uh, they could potentially make it to that ACC title game? Or I guess I should say, your rankings, do, do you think the rankings are that? Or is that your head saying that? I, I, I think I think the rankings are accurate, and and I think my are fairly accurate, and I think my head is accurate on that because look at you know Notre Dame puts together an independent schedule, and it usually winds up being one of the five, seven, eight, nine, ten toughest schedules in the country. With the ACC schedule, that number fell down to uh, I won't even guess that it got in front of me here somewhere. Uh, fell down to number twenty nine um, by my numbers. 
although you can make an argument to play in Stanford and USC this year wouldn't have been that tough. But uh, <laughs> anyway, it, it, anyway, it, it should be a little bit of an easier situation for them, although Duke put up more of a fight than we thought they were going to on Saturday, and Ian Book didn't look all that great, but no, they did have didn't. some other issues where they're trying to replace some players as well, just like everybody does at, at times. So, so um, But anyway, what, how did this question begin? Well, I, <laughs> I was just trying to get your thoughts on Notre Dame because I actually picked them to – be number one in the conference at the end of the regular season uh-huh. and potentially win the conference. So I was kind of trying to get some uh, oh. some validation for my pick. But like you said, after this past weekend, uh, I'm not feeling as good about it. Uh, are you a betting no, man, that Dave? That scares me a little bit. Uh, well, no, because I, I'm not a betting man because I don't want to have it – I don't want to get pissed off at my own numbers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to look at my rankings and my picks and go, okay, I'm going to go pick this stuff. Crap, that lost me $600 this week. Ah, screw it. I'm never doing this again. <laughs> well, the know? only reason I asked that was because I, I wanted to just get your thoughts on your computer's predictions for this weekend. And, and if you thought uh, any of them stood out to you as a potentially I, I, very I'm good not pick. a sports betting man, let me put it that way. Okay. And I know I am a gambler. I like to play blackjack. I go to casinos. I understand sports betting and all of that sort of stuff. I just do not bet on uh, – I, I do football pools for the NFL even. I don't do a college football Understood. Yeah. How do you feel about this weekend slate? Is there any one or two games that stand out to you that your computer is, is given a nice prediction where uh, it, it might give an advantage to a, to a picker? Uh, well, one of the things uh, that we always look at on the website is uh, there's a tab there for feature picks, and uh, there's three different categories in the feature picks. One is outright upsets, and that takes every upset that the computer predicts where the uh, opposite team uh, than the favorite is supposed to win according to the computer's formula. And then there's easy pickings where the team that's favored by X amount is actually supposed to win by X more amount according to the computer. Or another one we call hold your horses where a team that might be favored by 10 is only expected to win by two, that type of thing. So we kind of pick some of the glaring games in there gotcha. and uh, where we think it might be interesting if you were going to lay money to look at. Um, the upsets actually do quite well. Um, those would be your I'd money line sprinkles. You're saying. Up, yeah, 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 exactly. I'd have to go back and, and look at the actual numbers last year. It might have been an even 500 against the spread, but when you're picking outright upsets, that's kind of crazy numbers. And at one point between the year before that and last year, it was like 20 some games above, 20 some wins above 500. Wow. So it uh, kind of had this ridiculous run going on there for a while. So, but three games of those stand out, and I'm not necessarily saying I agree with any of these, but it has opposite picks. It's got Georgia Southern over FAU, FAU the visitor at Georgia Southern. Everybody knows Georgia Southern had a tough time pulling out that win over Campbell, but Georgia Southern had uh, 33 players that were on its inactive list for that game. Don't know how many of those are coming back, uh, but FAU, of course, also with a new coach and a new coach that hasn't done too well and has been well-traveled the last few years and Willie Taggart, so uh, we don't really know what FAU has. Now, Another one of those is Louisiana Monroe, which just got blasted by Army 37-7, to comes home, faces Texas State, has never lost to Texas State. Texas State's the Vegas favorite by two and a half. The computer's got Louisiana Monroe by eight. And then the last one would be Wake Forest, which uh, played decently against Clemson. Clemson played nice with them and didn't try to run up the score in the yeah. second half. And, and hence the final score was what the final score was. But they're playing at North Carolina State. We don't really know what North Carolina State has. Wake Forest has that game experience under its belt. So instead of being a three-point underdog, the computer has them as a three-point favorite. So those are the three um, opposite picks that it has for this week. 
Yeah, I like that. I like that Wake Forest pick just uh, from those ones you mentioned. It's it, it, we don't really know anything about either one of those teams when it comes right down to it because Clemson just no. looks so dominant, and it's hard to tell anything when you play a team like that. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think Trevor Trevor Lawrence and uh, Etienne are the difference makers for Clemson. Plus, they just seem to get so many strong recruits on the defensive side of the ball that it doesn't matter who they lose. Um, they they just load up again back there, you know, kind of like we were with defensive backs um, from <laughs> yes, sir. what mid mid nineties up through like uh, two thousand, well even through the Fullers. So you yeah. know, I know. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, and of course now, unfortunately, Farley decided to sit. So you know, and we got the we, uh, we, the unfortunate Devin Hunter news today as well that he's you know he's going to probably be out for a little while too. So our secondary, oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, he, uh, he there was. There's a little bit of a legal issue, so <laughs> he's uh, he's oh. going to miss some time. He's suspended right now. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. You don't like to see that happen. No, you, sure. you don't. And, of course, we don't like to see the COVID outbreak happen as well, too, and force the team to have to miss practices for four days this coming week. Um, but it sounds like, of course, they don't release these numbers. It sounds like it's not a matter of too many positive cases on the team, but more a matter, perhaps, of contact tracing. That's what it seems like, yeah. I, I, I agree with that. So, uh Hopefully, we will be uh, both celebrating together, you know, in Charlotte, if, if the Hokies can get there with the ACC title game this year. I mean, like like Robbie was saying earlier, you have Virginia Tech higher than anyone in the Massey composite right now, and um, that's why we like you the most. That's why, that's why we have to have you on the podcast. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. So when it comes down to your website, people can find all that information on the picks and everything at collegefootballpoll.com, correct? Correct. Yep. Okay, and there's just various tabs on there. I was on, I've been on there a few times this past week, and I got to say, you got a great layout for just you can go down, right down, see the spread, see what the you know what Vegas is putting out and what you're putting out, and it's uh, it's pretty nice to just have it all lined up there next to each other. And if you're kind of waffling on a pick, hey, maybe you head to collegefootballpool.com and you and you find your answer there. It's it's an alternative to choice, at least anyway. Give it a look and see uh, if it confirms maybe what you're thinking of, if that's what you're trying to do is lay a bet, or if it strongly disagrees what you're doing, and maybe it'll help you save some money by not going out on a limb where you perhaps you shouldn't have. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast and talking about your... Or, or maybe you'll blow your wad because I turned you in the wrong direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, th- we, there's there's the disclosure that like any bets you make, those yeah. are your own fault. <laughs> In which case, my name is George, and I live in Charlottesville. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. And I I just the extra bonus of you being a tech fan is just really that's that's awesome. So uh, really grateful to have you on, and uh, we'll have you on again sometime. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. No problem. Well, we'll unpack that interview in a minute. But first, Robbie, why don't you tell us what you're drinking over there? Well, I alluded to this, uh, I think, a little bit earlier on the podcast, but I'm drinking the Big Bad Baptist. It's literally an extremely well-known beer. It's a whiskey barrel-aged, you know, they say world-renowned, but it's a very well-known beer. Um, We may have even had it on here before. An Imperial Stout, which is usually right up my alley. It's a stout, got that dark flavor, but then you get like a little punch from, you know, whatever liquor that they infused it with or whatever barrels it's sitting in. And I usually drink it out of bottles, I believe. And this one's out of a can and it's Epic Brewing Company. It's out of um, 
they get they brew it. It's a Utah brewery, but they blew they brew it out of Colorado, which we've talked about. And it's not it's got a very sour taste to it, at least now. Maybe it's because this is my first alcoholic beer in in almost <laughs> That's right. This is the month. first real alcoholic beer. <laughs> on the podcast in almost like a month and a half, but it's extremely sour. It almost tastes like the can, like just, you know, sat on it too much. And you're starting to get some of that, uh, I don't know, that metal flavor into it. If that makes <laughs> it's sense. Possible. You know, you, sometimes, you know, they all can't be home runs. Yeah, exactly. But I, I can't hate on it because it is on tap. I've had it out of bottles. I've had it. It's one of the best beers out there, but this one is not tasting as good as it usually does. So um, I, I would actually, like I said earlier, I, I preferred the non-alcoholic beer actually a little bit better. That's crazy, man. Well, yeah, you have to buy another one soon and see see how it compares. But I'm only doing the one beer, so I wanted to actually get into these picks now. And with regard to Dave's interview... I actually have his numbers here too. So I'm going to accompany oh. that in with when we talk about these games. So first game we're going to pick BC at Duke. This is our first look at BC this year. And they're six and a half point underdogs on the road in Durham. What do you like in this game? I mean, after the performance that Duke put up, and I know it was they didn't win, it wasn't all that close, but from what they did on the field, there's so many unknowns with BC right now that it's hard. It's their first game. Having seen the general landscape of how teams overall played in their first game was not very good. I would have to go with Duke here. Yeah, I'm going to go with BC. I just think uh, that Duke might have punched above its weight a little bit last week, getting hyped up for that Notre Dame game. And I think BC has a great line. I talked about last week. They brought a lot back on D. We'll see how the quarterback plays. But in terms of Dave's rankings, Dave has it as like an even matchup on an, for, according to his computer. So it's a six and a half point spread. He's got it at like 0.1. So it's it's basically dead even. So... Uh, the computers agree with BC. Robbie's going with Duke. We will see what happens. Next game, Syracuse at Pitt, the old Big East matchup. Cues is 21-point underdogs in this game. That seems a little bit excessive, I think. <laughs> it does seem excessive. Yeah. I know Syracuse like didn't cover last week, but we talked about how they, they could have. Like, yeah. They really could have and should have. And I know Pete... Um, Pitt destroyed, but it, they destroyed somebody that had no business they even being played against. So, no. that's I, I'm going to, I'm taking Syracuse uh, plus 21. Yeah, I think I'm going to do the same. It's just, that just seems like so many points. And it, it could yeah. be, I, I could see it being 21 on the spot, right? Like, or like an 18 point game. And that would still be a really good win for Pitt, but it still wouldn't cover. Dave's computer has pit by 16. Yeah. So he likes cues on, on the spread. That seems right. Next game, USF at Notre Dame. Notre Dame is 26-point favorites at home against USF. I'm going to go with Notre Dame again. I, I didn't get the cover last week, but I still really like that team. I think they're getting a couple of receivers back. So I'll go with Notre Dame, yes, to cover 26 big points against USF. I can't. You, I, you, you pulled me into that Notre Dame pick last week, and I should have gone the other direction, and I didn't. I, I, 
I waffled and I'm not going to waffle this time. Okay. And I, I'm, I was surprised. And this brings up another thing that Clemson shut it down. Like when they, Oh, they in, shut it down at halftime. Like they, so that was something I talked about style points last yeah. week and that did not happen in that game. So now I'm starting to think. But you know it, what? I, they might have had a gentleman's agreement because Wake shut it down too. Yeah. They had they had a guy from your high school playing quarterback at the end of the game. What, Broad Run? Yeah, mm. Broad Run High School. They had a freshman quarterback, Wake did. At, at the end of the game, they were playing their third string quarterback and he went to Broad Run. I didn't see that. There you go. Um, the more you know. Yeah, so you're going to take USF. I'm going to take Notre Dame. Dave has Notre Dame winning by 36. So we'll see. He sides with me. We'll see if he's Who's right. Who's the coach at USF right. these days? Isn't it? Uh, uh, oh God! Um, <laughs> you look it up while I, while I move to the next game. The next game we're going to do is UCF at Georgia Tech. That's actually suddenly a fascinating game. UCF seven point favorites in Atlanta. I'm going to go with UCF. I, Georgia Tech, great win for them. They look. Better than I expected. Their freshman quarterback looks real good. But I think coming down from maybe that emotional high uh, will give UCF the chance to cover this game at seven points. So head coach at USF is Jeff Scott. So I guess he was... Oh, that's the Clemson guy, right? Yeah, he was a co-offense coordinator at Clemson. Um, And so I kind of like your, your pick there on UCF. Especially, I think Georgia Tech kind of played out of their socks a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to go UCF. I could see them putting up like at least 14 uh, over Georgia Tech on top of Georgia Tech in that game. So I'm going to stick with you. Dave has that as a four-point spread. So he likes Georgia Tech. So uh, we'll, we'll see if we're right or he's right on that one. Charlotte at UNC. In-state matchup here. UNC 28-point favorites at home against Charlotte. Charlotte kept it tight with Appalachian State. Uh, I'm going to take them again. I, I think they can keep it within 28 against UNC. Yeah, I'd, I'd pick Charlotte on this. That's easy. And first of all, it's App State. I mean, that is a really good team um, year in and year out and the talent that developed there. So, And um, it was kind of a no-brainer that Charlotte was going to try and keep that game close. Uh, if you follow a lot of people because, you know, of what they've done there. But uh, I think they could do it again. Dave has Charlotte covering as well. He has that as a 24-point game. Next one is Miami at Louisville. This is the big one. Two-point favorites are your Louisville Cardinals. They're at home. I'm taking Louisville. I'm going to go Louisville as well. I mean, I, I was I was high on them. I thought that they were going to do well this year with Cunningham, and it looks like he he delivered. So that's two. If nothing else, King versus Cunningham should be an awesome battle, and we'll see. So yeah. that's that's a great game. Yeah, and Dave has it as a ten point spread, so he feels good about Louisville covering and then some in this game. Wow. Last game we're going to pick Wake at NC State. NC State, three-point favorites. It's hard to hard to imagine NC State being favored in an ACC game after the way Wake just dismantled them last year. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you remember that? That was the game where just like Jamie Newman went off on them. Yeah, and then he went to, went to 
<laughs> to Georgia, and then he went to the NFL. Uh, so it was uh, it was a lot of things that happened subsequent. And and Dave actually mentioned this in his interview. He mentioned how this is one of the few ones where it was completely flipped. Yep. He has Wake winning this game outright by I think three points. I mean, we have nothing to go off with NC State, so I'll pick first here. I'm going to go Wake Forest here. I, and I know this is just recency bias, but just with the first game, this is the first game for NC State. I'm just going to go with, you know, a little bit of struggles with a three, only a three-point line with that. I don't know, you know, Vegas always does well, but I don't know how well they've factored in how shoddy, let's put it that way, uh, a lot of teams played coming out uh, in their first game. Yeah, I'm going to take Wake as well. They they got me the cover last week against I so a day after we recorded or maybe two days whatever I was like why did I pick Wake like Clemson is going to destroy them like this is terrible and Clemson was not just thirty one points better they were probably seventy five points better than Wake Forest but guess what Wake covered because they that game just it, it didn't it turned into a non football game it was just so dumb by the end so. I'm going to stick with Wake. Long story short, I'm going to take them to cover. I and I think they can win outright. I'm not I think I'm rooting for NC State to win because we will play them the very next week and you would always prefer a team to not have that reality check right before they play you. You'd want them to come in feeling good about themselves. So, I'm rooting for NC State, but I'm going to take Wake against the spread. All right. Well, there it is. There it is. That is, uh, we covered a lot today in the podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed the interview with Dave. Um, we will be coming back next week with hopefully a game preview. <laughs> That's what we are rooting for this week is we want that game preview against NC State, breaking down all their positions and uh, just letting you know what to expect in our first game of the season. A few more days, guys, you can make it. Yeah, Make you, sure to hit us on Twitter. If you want Sorry, a UVA preview, then I have a bunch of notes ready for you that I can send you. Um, I'm not sure it's going to be all that useful. I am glad that I, I just waited that extra two days before I started my UVA prep because Robbie got in a little early, and now he's got to save it for the end of the year, I guess. That's right. Make sure to hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DVT. It's 2DVT.com. That's the website. You can stream all of our podcasts on there. Find us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a review if you've got the time, and it would be much appreciated. And uh, I think that's it. Instagram. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, too. We are going to post more. I have posted some. Robbie needs to get get on it, post a few pics or whatever. If you want pictures of non-alcoholic beers, then I got plenty of them. <laughs> How's that? So uh, I could take pictures of milk. Uh, water, uh, beers. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you find like your, your best Virginia Tech uh, wall hanging or whatever, like whatever's in your house that's tech, why don't you take a picture of it and post that to the podcast? All right, I'll, I'll do that. All right. Um, all right, and until next time, guys, go Hokies. Go Hokies.